0: I'm good, thank you Um, So if you want to stand with us this morning um, We're just going to praise God With a joyful spirit
1: Um, Thankful for everything that he's done In our lives Um, And
0: we're just so grateful So that's why we sing
2: Give thanks to the Lord Our God and King His loving
1: bless um we are going to well i'm going to be reading from psalm 118 oh give thanks to the lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever let israel say his steadfast love endures forever let the house of aaron say his steadfast love endures forever let those who fear the lord say his steadfast love endures forever out of my distress, I called out to the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in men. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surround me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side, and in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees, they went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. i thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone this is the lord's doing it is marvelous in our eyes this is the day that the lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it save us we pray lord O lord we pray give us success blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord we bless you from the house of the lord the lord is god and he has made his light to shine upon us bind the festival sacrifice with cords up to the horns to the altar you are my god and i will give thanks to you you are my god and i will exalt you oh give thanks to the lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever
3: So um, we're going to do things a little bit different today. We're going to use this psalm that was just read to shape our worship service this morning. Uh, Psalm 118, which Kim just read for us, is a very important psalm for the Christian church. In the Old Testament, it was frequently used in in the worship of the temple, particularly at Passover time, uh, when God's people were remembering how God had redeemed them from slavery. The pilgrims would sing it on their way up to the Passover celebration in Jerusalem. And then this psalm was picked up at a key point in Jesus' life on the day that we remember on the church calendar as Palm Sunday, which is today. This was the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and the crowds were waving palm branches, welcoming him as their victorious king. And as they did this, they picked up lines from this song to give God praise and to welcome Jesus. The psalm begins with a call of worship, a call to worship, and that's what we're going to do now. And it calls three groups of people to worship. They were the three main groups back in the Old Testament times. They were the Israelites, the priests, who were called the house of Aaron in the psalm because it was Aaron's descendants who were the priests, and then the God-fearers, those who fear the Lord in the psalm, who were the Gentiles, the non-Israelites back then who followed God even though they weren't from the bloodline of Israel. So the way we're going to adapt this for our call to worship today is that we have some people here who are Jewish by ancestry and heritage, right? A few of you. So you get to be the Israelites today. Um, Everyone else gets to be the Gentiles if you fear the Lord. Then you're part of that group. And for the house of Aaron, um, everyone who follows Jesus can do that part because we know from the New Testament that now that Jesus has come, we're all priests. So uh, let's do the call to worship. And when I call you to say so, then you say, His love endures forever. All right, everyone know your part? Okay, so hopefully we have a few people of Jewish background here this morning. If you are, call out loudly. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Wow, more Jews than I thought here this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Let the house of Aaron, all believers, say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord, the Gentiles, say,
2: His love endures
3: forever. Amen. Okay. So that's the way the psalm begins, calling God's people to worship. And after it calls us to worship, it invites us into a time of testimony, a time of storytelling to give thanks to God for the ways that he's helped us. Because when God helps us, when God saves us out of our difficult circumstances, the psalm teaches us, lots of psalms teach us, that our response of worship and gratitude to God is to gather together with God's people and to tell the story of what God has done, to to say thank you to God so that God gets the glory and so that God's greatness gets expressed and everyone gets encouraged as they hear what God has done. So in our psalm, we, we have a story where God saves and rescues someone. It's a story of a battle, and the one telling the story, uh, who's the main voice in the psalm, may be a general or a commander or maybe the king himself, and that's what we'll assume this morning. We'll assume that he's the king who's leading the battle. And and he was badly outnumbered in this battle. It looked like he was a goner, and and yet he cried out to the Lord, and, and the Lord dramatically saved him. He was about to lose, he was about to be destroyed, but then in a dramatic turn of events, God stepped in and turned the tide. And there's no other explanation for what happened than that that God brought about a dramatic come-from-behind victory for this king. And so the king has learned a profound lesson from this harrowing experience that you can't trust in human strength or human means, but you can trust in the Lord who has all power and who saves those who put their trust in him. So listen to the king, tell the story. Paul's going to be our king this morning.
4: When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death.
3: All right, so you see how the king tells the story? He was in a losing battle surrounded by other nations, way more numerous than he And he thought his situation was hopeless, but then he cried out to God, and God rescued him. God turned the tide. And so the king learned a lesson that you can't ultimately trust in human strength. Instead, it's the power of the Lord which has to be our confidence. If only our country's leaders could learn that today, right? And so the king has experienced this dramatic deliverance, and he's come to the temple to tell his story, to give praise and thanks to God, and and to encourage God's people with this story. And this psalm invites us to do the same with our stories, with our thanksgiving. So we're going to take um, some time now to tell a couple of stories and to give God thanks. Um, But let's start with a couple of songs of thanksgiving first, and then we'll hear the stories. So we're going to give thanks to God together for all that he's done. invite you to stand with us. stories of thanksgiving to tell this morning i think uh or if i think of the battle that that we face uh it's different from the battle that that king faced so long ago Our, our battle is the mission that god's given us that's one of our battles to to show christ to the world around us both by how we live our lives and by giving an explanation for why our lives are filled with hope and peace and love and for the grace that we found in christ's love and in, in this battle, in this mission that we share, we have our own defeats and failures, and we have our own victories as we take baby steps toward learning to live more missionally uh, and to be a greater blessing to those around us. And Kathy Fiala is going to come and tell a story about her experience with
0: us. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's a lot easier to be up here if I'm telling a joke or singing a song. It's a little hard, harder when I'm telling something about me. Um, Let's see, I I need to lay the groundwork. Uh, I've gone through what I would say, well, let's just call it a season of abiding over the last year, year and a half. Uh, My kids have come, they've gone, they've come, they've gone. Um, uh, Financial worries, marital discourse, usually over the financial worries, My art center burnt down, so there was, like, if you're an artist who's not teaching, are you an artist and are you a teacher? So just a lot of things being, like, ripped away and leaving me very open and very bare. This fall, um, Dick gave a a message on Ruth, and to my great distress, I realized the character I I identified with was Naomi, um, which you know, was an even deeper realization for me. Then come along this opportunity to participate, a few women here are doing this too, in this like cyber huddle kind of thing. Um, And I think I might have mentioned this once before, it's kind of like looking at your computer screen, sort of like the Brady Bunch, where there's five or six people in little boxes, and we all get a chance to really Uh, talking to each other's lives under the help of, in my case, someone named Gina Muller, part of 3DM, Um, and just where real kingdom work is being done and truth is being spoken, and it's amazing because we really don't even know each other, and yet we know each other fairly intimately now. This started in late fall. So Gina says, um, okay, go out for this next time I usually do this from the comfort of my bedroom or living room but she goes go out and uh go somewhere where there's lots of people and call in at 9 I was like okay this is the one I'm going to miss I've been really faithful to you know meeting this commitment but maybe I'm just going to take a back seat to this one but I was driving I think okay I'll go by Mrs. Greens and Starbucks so I sat in the in the parking lot and I thought Yeah, I think I'm just going to go in and get some sushi for lunch, and we'll call it a day, 8.58, and I think i got to do this. So I call. Um, She tells us what we're going to do is go into somewhere, just pray, look for a person of peace, um, and see if the Holy Spirit moves you in any way for some sort of an encounter. Now, when you work in your giftedness, you're energized. This totally had me frozen. This is not comfortable for me. Um, But Gina prayed really, really earnestly that the Holy Spirit would be a part of this. So off I went and I thought, these folks are from Minnesota, they don't know the Northeast. And sure enough, I go in and either people are at groups at a table or they're voraciously texting. You know, so they're all, everyone's in their own little bubble. And I thought, okay. So I got my coffee, and I thought, well, the least I could do is sit down and just sort of pray for people here. So I did. And they've got these long counters, and there was a space empty at the counter. I said, okay, all right, all right, I'll go sit. I'll sit next to that girl. That girl must be my person of peace. I don't know why I thought this. Um, So I get up to go sit next to this girl, and she gets up and leaves. (laughs) which was a great relief to me. <laughs> oh, my person of peace left. Okay. Um, but I sat down in her seat. And now the, what do you call it, a baris- barista? Barista comes, and we start, and within minutes he's telling me he's got a young child, and he never sees his wife, and they work opposite shifts, and he's been here since five. Uh, my person of peace, there you are. So I, and he has to leave to go serve someone else. So this is going back and forth. Then he waves to this blonde haired girl sitting next to me, which turns my attention over here. I said, and somebody had occupied the seat next to me. He said, so, do you come here often? Um, (laughs) And, uh, because she knew knew that guy. And she goes, yeah, I come here every morning. I work at a, um, uh, what do you call it, exercise place. You can tell I don't go that often. Um, And... We just got to talking, and we talked about the lovely weather outside, and we talked about um, her work at the physical fitness place, and then um, I noticed she had a tattoo, and then I noticed she had lots of tattoos, and I said, my girls want to get tattoos, but my husband's not so keen on it. I don't really care one way or the other. What you know? Tell me about your tattoos. What do you think? And she started telling me about her tattoos, which led to this whole story about her life um, and that she had had somewhat of a breakdown and this tattoo represented that was the date of the breakdown and that she made a quantum shift. She used to be an engineer and now she was following her true passion. And then I got to say, did that have any spiritual element to it when you made this realization? And off we went. Off we went. And any time I did that, that thing where I go, yeah, well, you know what happened to me? this, the, I could just feel the spirit gently saying, no, 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 stay with her, you know, and, and he'd guide me back to talking about her and only myself as it related to my spiritual journey, and it was so fruitful and so amazing um, that I think we both left having encountered the Holy Spirit, and Um, I looked at my watch, and it was way past my call-in time back to Gina, and that was okay. I got to share with her later, um, you know, what what had that experience. And, you know, so it turned from a little experiment into just a a really meaningful encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, And it's part of my journey, and I praise God for it. And it reminds me of Jesus when he was in the boat Uh, during the storm and the first thing he said to his disciples is where is your faith and I was frozen with the thought of um, needing to do this under my own steam and isn't that where we meet the Holy Spirit you know who fills that gap for us so uh, I'm continuing on the journey I'm not there yet Um, but I heard someone say your arms need to be up to get a hug. And so that's what I'm trying to stay in the posture of being, hands reached up. So thank you.
3: Thanks, Kathy. And Kathy says she's not good at this, coming up and telling us stories about herself. Um, Well, as you know, over the past several years, as a church, we've been learning to focus more clearly and intentionally on the mission that God has given us. And Kathy's just given you a little piece of her story On what that's looked like for her. Um, And overall, our mission is to make disciples who who live out God's mission together. Um, One reason that this is all the more challenging for us is that today's world is changing. And the ways of doing and being church that used to serve us well aren't as effective and don't resonate with people as much anymore as the culture changes around us. One statistic that those of us who went up to Boston last weekend for the workshop that 3DM put on, which is the group that Gina's is part of, um, one statistic was that only 4% of the millennial generation attends church. 4%. The way that the church has done things in the past was was good and faithful and effective in the past. Um, But it's not helping the younger generations to connect with God. And we recognize this as a church, and so we've been trying to adjust to it. Thus, our vision, we want to be transformed by God for love and for mission in a changing world. And one of the major resources we've turned to to help us is this group, 3DM, because they've found some new ways to be church which are thoroughly faithful to Scripture and at the same time really resonate with younger people. And they've helped thousands of young people, first in Europe, now in the U.S., to, to find Jesus, to take their place in the church, to grow as followers of Jesus, and to join the mission that God has for us all, so that these young people are now engaged in reaching their peers. But guess what? The things that, that we're learning aren't just for young people. I, I spent the, the past uh, week, um, or the week before last, as part of the 3DM team in Boston, training other churches um, to pass on what, what I've learned, what we've learned, uh, um, about how, how all this can work in the northeast where churches are smaller and the culture is very post-Christian and very busy and stressed so so how do we make it work in this context? How do we adapt it? And, and this is my third time helping out in Boston to do this and one of the churches I've gotten to know al- along the way as I've gone up there and worked with them is a church very similar to ours in Massachusetts and I've have the, had the privilege of helping the pastor and his wife and one of their key volunteer leaders to wrestle through how to grow in these areas in their church. And, and uh, the volunteer leader is, is a man named Norm. He's, he's uh, the, um, the uh, comparability, what's the right word, of what we would call an elder at our church. I forget what they call him at his church. But he's probably in his 70s or 80s. And, and what we've been learning together through these times in Boston has revolutionized his life. Um, He's been a Christian for well over 50 years, and yet what he's learning is causing him to change and grow. And uh, I want to show you about a five-minute video where he talks about this. So, can we start the video? Let's see.
5: I guess I have been ministering for, oh my, more than half a century at this point. And uh, it's been kind of interesting in the last two years to be working with 3DM and uh, trying to bring discipleship into a major place in in our church. I've been really challenged by ideas like disciples that Jesus made were disciples who could make disciples themselves and I realize we don't do that very well. The other thing that's been very much on my mind as a a kind of subtle thing is working with the folks at 3DM and especially the stories they tell has made me very much aware that God intends to intersect the well-planned, or maybe sometimes not well-planned, but the the kind of ordinary track of my life moving along through um, time marked off on calendars and watches with times when his kingdom comes near. And he intersects my intentions with an intention of his that I perhaps was unaware of before that in, in the specifics of it. And he winds up letting me encounter somebody or um, letting me encounter something in his word that that, uh, that intersects and uh, lands like a missile in the midst of the problem of my life or something like that at this particular point. He, uh, th- this week was kind of a, a fun one in that there was this insurmountable problem I was trying to solve involving somebody I minister to, and it looked like there was a terrible deadline coming up, and I had no way to uh, find housing in this particular setting. As I read in Scripture, I read that story in Chronicles, the end of Second Chronicles, and it uh, tells about, I think, Jehoshaphat, if I remember right, having a, a problem with a coalition of three of his enemies coming along with huge armies to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat just feels like he's totally overwhelmed, but he hears from God, This is not your battle. Come out on the hill and watch what happens. And so he did, and he watched as his enemies somehow got an idea of an ambush going on and started uh, destroying each other. And in the end, there were nothing but dead enemies as they had killed each other off in the three different uh, elements of the coalition, I guess, that didn't hold together too well and you know the message throughout the whole thing is it's not your battle and a psalm I read the same morning in a different place reminded me that that very often God is the warrior and he's the one that's the battle uh, chief in solving certain problems and sometimes we have no role at all and so I, I, I felt freed by that I felt a weight lift off and I just didn't work on that. I said, I'm going to sit back and watch and see what God does. And um, within a day or two, that deadline was extended out indefinitely, and it wasn't any longer a pressing problem. Another couple of days later, it looked like there was actually some action totally independent of me that would would solve it. So that kind of expecting God to be working into your timeline and um, doing his thing there is a huge difference for me and it gives an expectation it gives an excitement about life as you kind of see what kind of surprises will there be today and uh, you know it will be a an interesting and challenging thing and a sense of going deeper and figuring out who God is actually in his power and his majesty in his love towards me the people I deal with and like that Uh, the, the rise of that expectation or the rise of the level of that expectation has been huge and it's been a very rewarding and important thing for me and it's been something I'm very thankful for in this uh, phase of my life and something that adds a lot of joy as well as uh, challenge but something that's changing me Uh, you know changing me from not knowing hardly anybody in my neighborhood to to knowing half a dozen or a dozen people that are ones that I, I brush shoulders with occasionally, or I spot shoveling snow or walking dogs or babies or something like that. It's just been very exciting and very uh, challenging and rewarding all at once, and, and uh, a delight.
3: All right, Norm's a great guy. It's been fun to get to know him these past year. OK, uh, I forgot. Before that, I was supposed to uh, dismiss the kids, not to go to junior church. I don't see the kids. Maybe they're already there. Are they already at, in the back getting ready? Okay. So um, so back to our psalm. The worship team's going to come up to be, to be ready. Um, but we want to focus a little more on our psalm. Um, we've joined the psalmist in telling some stories which lift up God and gratefully celebrate what God's done. And next in the psalm, the king and and the worshipers who have begun their worship outside the temple are now ready to come into the temple, into God's presence, to enter in. And and the temple has gatekeepers. It has Levites. These were the sort of um, God's bodyguards tasked with keeping God's enemies, keeping trespassers out of the temple. But, But here's the thing. God doesn't really need bodyguards. God is powerful enough to take care of himself, And so really what the gatekeepers did was for the sake of the trespassers because the temple was a holy place. God dwelt there. And if you went in without clean hands and a pure heart, you would profane the holy place and God might judge you for it. And so the gatekeepers were there to make sure that didn't happen, to make sure that only the righteous, those who were of good moral character and relationship with God could enter in, in a sense to protect others from God's judgment. And in the psalm, the king, followed by the other worshipers, are celebrating what God has done, they're heading toward the temple, and they reach the gatekeepers, and they ask for permission to enter. And, and we're going to join them in doing that now, spiritually speaking, because the good news for us is that we don't have to earn our own righteousness. The king, Jesus, has done it for us, and if we ask him to forgive our sins, and if we claim Jesus' righteousness, Jesus allows us to go straight into God's presence, So let's take a minute now and let's do that. Let's silently confess our sins to God and ask him to forgive us. I'll give you a minute silently to do that. And now hear this good news that the scripture tells us, if we confess our sins, Christ is faithful and just and will forgive us all of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so we can enter into God's presence, following Jesus who opens the way for us. And so let's hear the king now asking for the doors to be opened to him and to his followers.
4: Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord.
3: This is the gate of the Lord through which the
4: righteous may enter. I will give thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation.
3: And it's at this point in the Psalm that Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey in that famous moment called the triumphal entry. The crowd was there celebrating Jesus's victory with palm branches. And let me read the story from Luke 12, 12 to 16. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. And so now the kids are going to come with the king, uh, and we'll join them in giving Jesus, the victorious king, praise, thanking God for all he's done. And uh, with all our hearts, let's enter into God's presence with him.
0: Stand with us as we sing our God.
2: What do you turn? God is for us Then who could ever stop us And if our God is with us Then we'll concern our friends <laughs>
3: kids thank you for handing out those palm branches and now we're going to let the kids age four through grade four go to junior church parents please pick them up after the service looks like they already gone (laughs) they're ahead of me again well let's spiritually speaking continue to uh, follow jesus now into god's presence with thanksgiving you'll notice that the next part of the psalm uh, has those two famous lines that the crowd used when they welcomed jesus into jerusalem proclaiming hosanna which appears in verse 25. It's translated into English there as Lord, save us. And then verse 26, blessed is he who comes into the name of the Lord. So would you say those words with me now as a congregational reading, starting in verse 22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day, let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Hosanna. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All right, and if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 118 now. Uh, we've already worked through a lot of the Psalm, and for the next 10 minutes or so, um, we're just going to focus in on the part that we just read, verses 22 to 26. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This coming week is often called Holy Week, and it's the week that we remember the last days of Jesus' life. We remember how, though Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem as a victorious king on Palm Sunday, yet by Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, he would experience increasing tension and conflict between him and the leaders of God's people so that by Thursday they would be plotting with Judas one of his own disciples to arrest him and on Friday Jesus would be crucified by his own subjects whose king he had come to be he was the stone that the builders rejected and and so we ponder the pain and the devastation of that the stone that the builders rejected we we ponder that on friday and we ponder that on saturday as we realize also that we're implicated in that rejection because we too have betrayed our king and and our sins helped nail him to that cross yet we also know that that friday and saturday is not the end of the story right <laughs> because sunday's a coming Amen. on sunday we will celebrate with awe and wonder that that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That the stone that the builders cast aside as as worthless, as having no place in the building that they were building, has turned out to be just the perfect fit, just the right shape to serve as the cornerstone, the, the most important stone, the stone which serves as the foundation and the orienting point for everything else in the whole building. The Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. That's why this next weekend is the most important weekend of the entire Christian year. For for in it, we remember the most important events in human history. The, The events which give the central meaning to all of history and to all of the Christian life. That through Jesus, God has reconciled people to himself, God has brought salvation to the world. And God has begun a new creation, a new kingdom through which God is making all things new, restoring all things, and one day Jesus will come back to finish that job. In the meantime, we try our best to cooperate with him as the first fruits are beginning to show themselves. And so so how does God do it? How does God accomplish all that? Well, through death on a cross and resurrection from the grave, to show that to be suffered or to be rejected and to suffer, to to lose one's life, to be weak and to fail is actually central to everything and is actually the very means God uses to bring about the ultimate victory of his kingdom. That was the way it was for Jesus. And Jesus told us that if we would follow him, it will be that way for us too. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And John 12, 24 and 25, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Like master, like servants. Like teacher, like students. Like king, like subjects. It's the way of Jesus' kingdom. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. God delights to bring new life out of dead things. God delights to bring strong victories out of weak and incapable servants. The only way to resurrection and to new life is through the death of the cross. This has been my experience. You know, today, my wife Ann and I have a strong, loving marriage. It's not a perfect one, but, but it's a good one, and it's a happy one. But when we first got married, we really struggled. Uh, on, off and on, not all the time. Um, we had happy times along the way. But we're both firstborns with our own ideas of how things should go <laughs> and, and what was the better way to do things. And, and we'd grown up in families who handled conflict very differently, and so we had some, some pretty rough patches at times. And, and there were certain fights we would just keep having. We couldn't seem to resolve. There were, there were certain things I'd say or do which would keep causing Ann pain. And, and there were certain things she'd say or do which kept causing me pain. And uh, it, it hurts when the one you love is really mad at you, right? And it gets lonely when when you feel distant from your spouse. And at many of those hard times, we, we each had a choice. We could... We could hold on to our lives, we could hold on to what we thought our rights were, and demand that the other person apologize because they were wrong, they needed to shape up, demand that they do whatever we thought they needed to do, or we could die to ourselves, we could choose to forgive, we could choose to give up what we wanted or thought we needed in order to give the other person what they said they needed. And along the way, we, we both made those choices. Not perfectly, not always. But, but when we did, you know, it, it felt like death. When I was so sure I was right and Ann was wrong and this issue really mattered and, and yet I chose what she wanted, it felt like a death for me. And when she chose to forgive me, even though she was so mad and I deserved for her to be mad, it felt like a death for her to forgive me. And do you know what we experienced from those deaths? That out of those deaths, God brought resurrection. God brought new life. God began to cause even greater love to grow between us. God brought greater beauty to our relationship. God eventually began to give us the relationship that we'd always hoped for when when I proposed to her. But sometimes we wondered if we'd ever get to experience at least consistently And as a result, I think we're both humbler and a little bit wiser and and more compassionate than we were before. And we appreciate each other more because we have something together that we've fought for and we've sacrificed for. We didn't deserve it, and yet God gave it to us as a gift as we follow Jesus' example of laying down our life and allowing God to bring resurrection life in its place. And so we can say with the psalmist, we were pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped us. The Lord is our strength and our defense. He has become our salvation. We will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. That's how it was with Jesus, and that's how it will be with us who follow him. So let's finish our psalm. The, the victorious king has come in. The worshipers have welcomed him with blessing and with thanks and with praise to God. And now the priests bless them all as, as the group comes to the altar to offer sacrifices. And I thought this would be a good place to make our offerings to God. But before we do that, we have a missions report.
6: Good morning. Um, Elfie asked me to tell you that uh, our February offering was $4,498 and our monthly budget is $4,250 so we had a plus it's good all right I, I'm here to talk about Ben and Lisbeth McClure who uh, work for uh, youth with a mission first They want to thank you for your prayer support and your financial support for them and their daughters, Alyssa, Johanna, and Laurel. They're working for YWAM in Perth, Australia. Uh, This April, Ben and his eight students from this year's school in Create International will be going to Thailand and then India for a month to make a video for the Hindu Unreached People Group of about 10 million people called the GAN. To be unreached means there aren't enough Christians in the group to evangelize themselves without outside help. Only about 2% Christian. CREATE International is a media creation school, one of scores and scores of ministries. We might call them missional communities that work under the worldwide umbrella of WyWAM to help in this evangelizing process. Crete takes its mandate from Matthew 24:14. When Jesus is asked, when will the end come? He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The Create team of students and staff try to make three kinds of films an evangelistic film in which they write a script, recruit local actors, scout locations, film, check the language segment by segment, they work with an interpreter at their side, about some spiritual issue that the people are facing, like selling children, prostitution, taking revenge, serious problems. Then the video shows how Christ is the answer to help some person in the drama with his problem. Editing may take several months. The videos are then given back to the sponsoring group who asked for it to be made, using the people uh, group's own folks as actors and their own heart language to be distributed without charge and without limit. Ben's team also make a mobilization video in English to be distributed to churches to pray for the group or even go as missionaries. And finally, they make a video showing those who become Christians how they can contextually worship God without having to give up all of their own customs. So elfie asked me to bring a sample. So we have trailers, is that the right word for that little like a blurb of a film? For a film made for the Matili people in Nepal, they made this a couple of years ago, and a mobilization segment to urge prayer from an American church. The Matili, like the gand are a Hindu group of more than 30 million who live in <coughs> India and Nepal. So, can you run this?
7: <laughs> we want to grow our lives. We don't have any problems with our I'll कुछ करता है There was uh, many, many uh, kinds of opposition towards me. My family was very hostile to me. I accept uh, Jesus Christ as my personal savior after one year. So my father decided to not to give money for my fees. My mother used to to me. I decided to work by my own hands. I got a bunch of students to teach. And that was very hard for me. Even one night uh, that I, my eyes full of tears, and I start to roll down the tears from my eyes. And then I only had a question, Lord, why is happening to me in my life? Uh, You have promised that your life will be changed. You will have good life. And Lord uh, spoke to me that, I'll make you a light in your nation. It took a long process to come my family uh, into the knowledge of God, but one by one, one by one, God has started to do with my family mighty works. We have the very, very bitter experience, hard experience, even persecutions from neighbors, from villagers. They talk differently to us. They behave differently to us. Sometimes they abuse us. But we are happy that we have got the thing that we never ever had. And this villager doesn't have. So every day we have prayer, devotion, and our family members sharing gospel to others. And others are also coming to the faith. Read in the Bible that though your father, mother, your neighbor may leave you, but Jesus will never ever leave you. So uh, we are rejoicing in the Lord, though the persecution is there. We have a surrender of our life into the hands of God, but we will never die, but we will follow Him at the last breath of our life.
6: This is uh, a call kind of uh, for all of us. I, I actually would love to see some young people from our church go to YWm for a six-month course and uh, so they can do what YWM's international motto is, to know God and to make him known. Thank you.
3: All right, I invite the ushers to come forward. We'll take the morning offering as our sacrifice to God. As usual, on the third Sunday of the month, the um, offering goes to the different missionaries that we support, unless you designate it differently on your check. Um, Let me pray, and um, we're going to remember Joe Vigilante in our prayers. He's in surgery right now uh, for his colon, and they're trying to do it orthoscopically rather than opening him up because if they have to open him up, then he has to deal with a colostomy bag for quite a while. And of course, everyone would like to avoid that. So let's pray for him. God, we we offer these gifts to you. Um, our gifts of praise, our gifts of sacrifice. And we also want to remember, um, Joe, during this time, we pray that you would guide the surgeon's hands, that they could get out all of the infection. God, we really. Pray that you would give them success in doing this orthoscopically. Um, But even more so, we pray that the surgery would be successful and you would bring healing um, to Joe. Be with Sharon now as she's with him. Help her to know that Joe is in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. And they're supposed to move next week, and I don't think Joe's going to be able to do it. So if you can help, I think it's next, a week from Monday, I think. Um, Anyway, call Sharon, and I'm sure she'd appreciate your offer of help. All right, as we take the morning offering, um, which you can begin, um, I'm not going to go over the announcements. You can take a look at them. I do just want to mention that the Women in Leadership discussion is finishing this morning. If you've been participating in it, today we're going to be talking about next steps or what we can do practically coming out of all of our conversations. So this would be a good one to come for. And as we prepare to uh, sing our closing song, um, and I'll invite the band to come up, I just want to offer you the blessing that we read in the psalm. As the worshipers were coming to the altar to offer their sacrifices to God, the priest would say, From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. Let's sing. together.